some places in the country they're opening very carefully and strategically and with smarts, but some places they are not. Those are the areas that have us the most concerned is the opening, not using the medical expertise that's available. We have to be smart about this. Pop Health Week is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Health Innovation Media brings your brand narrative alive via original or value-added, digitally curated content for omni-channel distribution and engagement. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. And welcome everyone, I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer and co-host of Pop Health Week. Joining me, as always, in the virtual studio is my partner, colleague, and lead co-host of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, president of Accountable Health, LLC. On today's show, our guest is Dr. Lindy Hayes of Palomar Pomerado's Health's Escondido Monoclonal Antibody Resources Center, otherwise known as MARC. Dr. Hayes is a decorated emergency medicine physician achieving fellow status with the American College of Emergency Physicians, the American Association of Emergency Medicine, and is certified by the American Board of Emergency Medicine. So, Fred, with that introduction, over to you. Help us catch up with Dr. Hayes and the innovative work at Palomar Pomerado's Monoclonal Antibody Resources Center. Thanks so much, Greg and Lindy. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you so much, Fred. I really, really appreciate you all inviting us on today. We are so honored um, and really grateful that you all have received and seen this information and want the community to hear more about it. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic, and we're, we're definitely going to get into that. But first, why don't you provide our audience a little, little bit of your background and experience? Yes, absolutely. I am going on my uh, 20th year as an emergency medicine physician. I am uh, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and did my residency in Chicago, Illinois. actually did my undergrad um, at Xavier University in New Orleans, Love it, love it, miss it so much. Um, And I went on from Xavier to go to medical school in Chicago. And uh, after uh, medical school, I did my emergency medicine residency and training in Washington, D.C. at the Howard University uh, Hospital Medical Center. And uh, ever since then, I have been working in uh, and practicing in level one trauma centers, Um, critical access hospitals as an attending emergency physician. And um, that is, uh, that's in a gist of what uh, I've been doing. That's great. And I know that over the past year, obviously the COVID pandemic, you've actually been around the country working in ERs in various places. Give us some sense of what you've seen. Oh, wow. Well, (laughs) um, this has actually turned into a almost a whole nother career for myself and and my colleagues, especially those of us that uh, in addition to having a, um, a quote unquote regular group or a permanent kind of home base where we practice, those of us who do like to travel, uh, practice independently as independent contractors or locum tenens medicine, um, it has really turned into a whole secondary specialty actually. Um, So we first started out in Michigan 
um, in Detroit, which was uh, uh, very close to Chicago, Indianapolis, which is where I uh, practice both mostly full time uh, in Chicago and Indianapolis. Uh, in Detroit, we had two field hospitals that um, I was uh, chief medical officer over and helped to set up along with the Army Corps of Engineers. One was in downtown Detroit and the other was in a town called Novi, just outside of Detroit, um, which was at the, it's a large convention center right outside of Detroit. Um, and we had um, between the two sites, a couple thousand patient bed capacity. Um, at those sites. And so that is where outside of my home emergency departments and taking care of those patients outside of that and in the field in my deployment is what, as I call it, I feel like I've been on deployment and I told my husband, this is the closest to the military. I think that I've, I have ever been, of course, um, outside of that, those are the two places. Those are where we, that's where we started this journey. Uh -huh. And now I understand you're at Palomar health and yes. tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Uh, Palomar Health Health has partnered along with the San Diego County Health Department, as well as EMSA um, and CalMet and various other me uh, medical organizations in the state to provide a treatment for patients who uh, are already COVID positive. And so we are so honored and grateful and uh, we want to share the information with as many folks as possible within the community. Mm -hmm. And this treatment is a monoclonal antibody. Can you explain what that is? So monoclonal antibody is a, a medication that's genetically engineered uh, in a laboratory. It is, it is not um, COVID. It is not um, from patients who have had COVID even. Uh, it is, again, a genetically engineered product uh, made in the lab. Uh, the product that we use, I can tell you more about that later, but the product that we use is from uh, manufactured by Eli Lilly, which is located in my second home, Indianapolis. And um, it is uh, infused into patients to help their body combat this disease um, to help their body basically get a the immune boost in order to begin to kind of attach to these protein particles and the protein spikes that are on the COVID molecule. So we, mm -hmm. instead of your body producing it when you get a vaccine, we try to give it to you. Got it. And understand this has an EUA. There are certain, which is obviously an emergency use authorization from the FDA that allows it to be given to certain people. And who qualifies for uh, receiving this type of uh, treatment? So the patients who qualify for this treatment uh, are patients that we would say are at higher risk than the general population or the general public from becoming severely, severely sick from COVID. Um, patients who um, are high risk of being hospitalized, being uh, intubated, etc. Those are the patients that we really want uh, to get this medication. And what are some of those uh, indications for high risk status versus a normal person? And I, I guess also they obviously have to have been infected with COVID early infection, correct? So that is correct. So one of the first things that we want to make sure is that, yes, that the patient does have COVID. 
um, that is uh, the first criteria. And one of the things that we're trying to do is partner along with our test taking sites, uh, both um, not just through Palomar, but across the county, our test taking sites and um, uh, partnering along with the laboratories that produce and distribute their testing so that we can know as soon as possible the patients who are COVID positive. And then we go on to find out about those patients. That's the kind of the, that's the number one criteria um, that we are looking for. And then of course, there's a other, you know, another uh, basically list that we need to go through after that. Mm -hmm. So those individuals will be like, I know one of the criteria is over 65. Uh, obesity is another one, things like that. And that, that li lends to those individuals having a higher risk of having a much more severe impact by being infected, correct? Yes, that is correct. So we could just kind of go through and you can tell me when to stop. We'll just start with the um, kind of uh, the first top five things that we screen. So of course, the first thing is making sure that we do know that the patient is COVID positive, not you have been around someone who is COVID positive, not you think you are COVID positive, not you feel like you're COVID positive. We need to have a laboratory study that corroborates your COVID positive status for the patient. That's number one. Um, and then from there, we get some general criteria. Once that is met and you've had, uh, also you've had symptoms, uh, typically 10 days or less is what we use as our uh, quote unquote short-term timeframe for being symptomatic from COVID. Uh, symptomatic can be a, a vast array of things. Cough, shortness of breath, uh, wheezing, weakness, fatigue, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, body aches, malaise, any of those things, mild headache. Um, so it does not have to be a severe side effect or a severe, not side effect, but a severe symptom. So mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, we really don't really want patients who actually have severe symptoms are actually not candidates for us. So it's mild to moderate symptoms of all those that I listed above. Got it. And really, this is one of the few treatment approaches out there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now we use a product, uh, again, um, engineered by Eli Lilly. There is another product, uh, Regeneron, which is, uh, they're also a combination of two monoclonal antibodies, but that is not the product that we use at our facility, but it is some, it is a, a product that other places use. And so there are, again, in terms of from a symptomatic standpoint, that those are very, they're very specific criteria, particularly symptoms that need to, we need to just kind of discuss to make sure the patient is uh, experiencing those. Right. Now, the, the whole COVID pandemic is, you know, everybody's talking vaccines, 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 obviously right now, and we're, we're getting millions of people vaccinated every day now in the country, but it's really an issue that we still have 60 some odd thousand people getting infected, you know, in the, in the United States every day. So this is something that people really need to understand that there is something out there for those that meet the criteria. Um, what sort of efforts are there? I know there's this clinic. Are there others around the country that have been set up now to do something similar? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I um, just want to go back. So in terms of your, and it's so important that you, you know, talk about that, Fred. So the, the number of positive patients that we are seeing every day. So now the numbers that you mentioned, keep in mind, that is considering that we really have not had the testing like right. we really probably should. And and I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you. Do we think we are probably vaccinating COVID positive patients? Yes, we are. Because 
there is no negative COVID test required when you present for your vaccine. We ask you a set of ser a series of uh, screening questions, and that's all that is required. And so the testing is something that we really need to get back makes get some attention back on and how important that is because we we do have patients that come into our infusion center who have had one dose or sometimes both doses and are still COVID positive or have found to be COVID positive and then have the symptoms and, and need infusion. Mm -hmm. And so those individuals, obviously your breakthrough patients that they're talking about now, and we're getting much more information on those as well yes. and, and beginning to learn more about it. I would, I would think, um, and I don't know, you know, where this clinic may be located, but obviously, as we've seen this, this disease impact proportionally a higher rate of people of color and others, having something available, is that some, an area that's being focused on now to try to bring this out to those communities that associate with social determinants of health or other issues that have less access to services? Yes, yes, Fred. So we are really, really trying to do everything we can to ramp up the uh, information and a uh, basically a media campaign about this medication. Uh, some facilities actually have medication distributed or infused in an area in their emergency department. We here, we have our site here at Palomar, downtown Escondido in San Diego County, and there's a new facility opening up south of us in Chula Vista through San Yehedro, I believe it's pronounced. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Um, but there is going to be another facility opening um, on the 20th there. But hospitals, facilities, docs, we are really, really trying to get this information out. Uh, we are sharing uh, different documentaries throughout our health systems about this infusion and uh, really just trying to every patient that we have even that comes in our facility we give them documents and a pamphlet flyers to please you know share with your family and friends because who knows other COVID positive patients COVID positive patients so <laughs> they know their family they know their friend they know where they got it and so we do get a lot of referrals in from that route as well but Yes, there is a, uh, a huge and, and fortunately, along with the CDC and from the Health and Human Services on a federal level, there is developing, as we speak, a mass campaign to really net, let patients know about this medication. I know you've not been doing it for that long, I guess, but have you begun to see some results from that that are similar to some of the studies? And if you're just tuning in to Pop Health Week, our guest is Dr. Lindy Hayes of Palomar Pomerado Health's Escondido Monoclonal Antibody Resources Center, otherwise known as MARC. Yes, we are seeing results. Um, we are still, of course, databasing and kind of gathering and compiling all of our data. But from an anecdotal standpoint and just in conversation with our patients, we do a, we do a, a next day follow-up and we do a seven-day follow-up with our patients and asking them any symptoms. Are you feeling better? Do you, did you have have, how did you feel going home? All of those things. And we are definitely seeing patients who are telling us, you know, I felt great. As a matter of fact, I felt great even before the infusion was done. So we are definitely seeing patients who are responding wonderfully well to this medication. Mm -hmm. And about how many patients could you see in a day if you were fully functioning? 
yes, if we were fully functioning, we can see between 50 and 55 patients. Um, and we, uh, that's with our current setup. And of course, there is room to expand, but that has to be discussed, you know, with the those uh, higher up decision makers and shakers. Uh, but from where we are right now in our current facility, we do have capacity to infuse 50 patients a day. Uh huh. And I understand that the is this funded by the the government for the medication, et cetera. So it's not charged to the patient. That is correct. It is uh, free service. We do take uh, insurance information, but that is primarily as a documentation follow-up type thing. And it's not because of the medication, but because you do have nurses. We have our our particular facility is staffed with ICU nurses. Mm -hmm. So these are nurses who are highly skilled and qualified. Now, keep in mind, we are in an office setting, although we are in a hospital building, it is set up uh, as an office setting. So it's not set up in an emergency department or anything like that. We have the, obviously we have the medical expertise to handle any situation that might arise. We uh, make sure that we have great communication with our 911 teams, et cetera, uh, for any extended or more involved medical care that might need to happen. Uh, but again, our facility, we're staffed with uh, ICU nurses, myself, board certified in emergency medicine, my PA, uh, emergency medicine, emergency medicine physician assistant. And so, so patients can feel, you know, completely uh, safe and care for, and we make sure to monitor very, very carefully all of our patients, in addition to all the follow-up that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And what is the process? I know, you know, having gone through a vaccine and uh, I'm actually my second dose now, you know, it's hey. go through the process, get the vaccine, sit for 15 minutes. I know with the monoclonal antibody, there are some potential issues. So how does that process work? So the uh, process works. So, you you know, you first come in and we kind of almost like you're going to go to pre-op. You know, if you go ever had an outpatient procedure, you know, you get it gets real official when you drive up to the hospital. We come and get you in a wheelchair and we will you to the room and, you know, talk to you, make sure you're feeling okay and your day's been fine. You get to the treatment area and we get you prepared for your infusion. We do some initial, again, screening questions. We make sure that everything that we received on your initial screening document is correct. We make sure that we have any other information, you know, family who brought you, those kinds of things if we need to call a family member for some reason. And then myself or my physician assistant goes in as well and assesses the patient clinically. They get a physical examination. And then we go on and give the okay to for the patient to to get infused. And then our nurses uh, get the medication, which does have to arrive. There's a there's a special time window. It has to be at a certain temperature. There's all kinds of particulars before it actually is infused, physically infused into the patient. So once that is, is ready, the patient IV is X is uh, established and the nurse gets IV in you and you go in and get the medication. There is approximately, it's about a two hour long process from beginning to end. That's important for people to know. Um, although the actual window for the infusion is just say 16, 20 minutes, but because of the time on the front end and the monitoring on the back end to make sure that the patient does well, it's overall, it's about a two hour process. Mm-hmm. Got it. So they wait to see if they have any effects or things like that. Absolutely. The infusion. Got it. Absolutely. Do you see any other newer, other therapies potentially coming out or down the pike? Have you heard of any others? 
Uh, I haven't really heard of any other therapies. There is some discussion about this medication being administered to uh, high-risk patients as a precaution, as a pre-treatment to actually even becoming COVID positive. That is something that is still being studied, evaluated. That actually was actually, a there's a, a study that has been done and there's some numbers out that does show that this medication did prevent, was a preventative measure for patients getting COVID, particularly patients who are around lots of COVID positive patients who are already in that setting, nursing home, those types of things. So it has been shown to, to prevent even COVID from developing. So that I think is where we're going next with the monoclonal antibodies. So perhaps people who are in a high risk exposure situation who maybe can't get vaccinated or may do something like this, what you're thinking or they're thinking? That, that is that is correct um, because this medication uh, this infusion there is it is not exclusive it does not exclude you uh, if you have been vaccinated so fortunately you know they again we've had patients who have been vaccinated and uh, subsequently test positive or develop symptoms and we infuse them anyhow so again we uh, are really looking at ways to optimize this therapy and this treatment because it is I, I would say to say that it's underutilized is is just the most significant understatement. It is so underutilized overall nationally, but I definitely think there are regions in the country where it's really pretty severely underutilized. And we just really want to make sure that our not only our patients know about it, but because yes, sometimes the patient is the one who refers themselves and we allow them to. We want to make sure our patients know um, and also the medical community is more aware. Yeah, that makes sense because, you know, it's typically been, oh, you're infected. Well, go go ahead and isolate yourself for your 10 days, your 14 days, and not thinking yes. through from your physician, maybe we need to refer them over. They may be an appropriate candidate for this monoclonal antibody treatment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so if, if it's okay, if I can just kind of go down some of the criteria, is that okay yeah. with your audience? So the very first, first criteria that we list is a body mass index, which the BMI that we use is over 35. So if you come up positive with COVID and you think you're a little bit portly, go on and give us a call or uh, wherever you might be located across the country, uh, search monoclonal antibodies. You can even find sites. Um, there are links on CDC's website as well as Health and Human Services website for the local monoclonal antibody infusion center near you. Second thing, chronic kidney disease. Okay. Third, having diabetes. Okay. It doesn't matter what kind of medication you're on, you know, insulin or pills. It doesn't matter. We don't get, you know, we ask just for medical history standpoint and just to make sure we know your medications, but having diabetes, it can even be where you're not on medication as of yet. It could be that you are, have diabetes and you are being controlled with diet. Okay. So it doesn't mean just because it, it you, ha, you know, you are not on medication that does not exclude you. The other thing is have an immunosuppressive disease. Having an immunosuppressive disease, for example, uh, would be something like lupus or something like sarcoidosis. And we get in, we get all into that when patients call and they think they're a good candidate. We go into possibly what their immunosuppressive disease might be. And then uh, 65 years of age or older, those patients are without any 
they don't have to have any medical, any disease at all, just be 65 or older. And that patient can not only be infused by us, but they can also actually self-refer. We like to have a doctor to communicate with for any patient that we see. Just uh, sometimes patients forget things or, you know, they say, oh, no, I don't have any medical problems. Or I don't take any medications. And then we go into talk with them and then we log on and we find out they've been to Palomar or whatever other hospital in our area, you know, 10 times and they've had all these, you know, they have hypertension, diabetes and, you know, high cholesterol. So sometimes um, it's, it's good if we can get a physician contact. If we cannot, we do not delay treatment with this medication. We still go on and get the medication, although we would love to have a physician referral and a physician connection for that patient. Are you seeing, you know, what percentage of folks do you have actually coming in and using up? If you could do 50 a day, how many are you seeing now? Oh, we need more. You know, we are um, at our high number, 10, maybe 12 a day. I think at, at our peak, we are, we really want to get this information out. We have an amazing staff that is ready and waiting and willing um, to get these patients seen. We, we have, and myself included, we have kind of been out on the on the pavement, hitting the pavement a little bit and handing out, you know, flyers and trying to call our, our different physicians and hospital systems within an area to make sure that they are aware. But like I said, I believe from my observation, our biggest um, and most popular way of getting patients in is by other patients. They word leave and they go, yeah, word of mouth. They, they call, matter of fact, they call their family and friends while they're there. Oh, they're that's like, great. They're like, hey, you won't believe what I'm getting right now, you know, and I'm feeling so much better even as I'm talking to you. So we love that. We love it, love it, love it. Um, but yeah, we just need all of all parties involved to to kind of get on board and mm-hmm. know that there's something available. We are going to need to learn to adjust and move within this new world. There are things we're going to um, have to guidelines that we're going to just going to need to follow. We're going to need to get used to and, and, and continue to feel comfortable using our mask, wearing our mask and washing hands and and uh, staying distant from a, as much as possible, physically distant. Even with our, our vaccination numbers going, improving, et cetera, we're not going to be anytime soon to the point where we can let our guard down with this. We're going to still have to continue to be very, very careful. Now, we are going to be able to do, uh, again, as things are opening, some places in the country, they're opening very carefully and strategically and with smarts, but some places they are not. Those are the areas that have us the most concerned, is the opening not using the medical expertise that's available. We have to be smart about this. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to end this. And I want to thank you very much for coming on and the work you're doing. It's fascinating and also um, fantastic to have some sort of a treatment option for individuals. So thank you so much for joining us, Lindy. You are so welcome, Fred. Thank you all so much for having me. And back to you, Greg. Thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I do want to thank Dr. Lindy Hayes for her time and insights today. For more information on the Monoclonal Antibody Resource Center, also known as Mark, at Palomar Pomeranto Health, go to www.palomarhealth.org and search for monoclonal antibody therapy 
or follow them on Twitter via at Palomar Health. And finally, if you're enjoying our work here at Pop Health Week, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast platform of your choice and do follow us on Twitter by at Pop Health Week. Bye now.